0: So, we're in a series, we're in part three of the series, Under Pressure. And just to catch you up if you haven't been here, or as a reminder if you have been here, we're not saying to avoid pressure, because we know that's not very doable, that's not realistic. We know that some of those pressures are actually a good thing. Some pressure is healthy, there are healthy pressures, some of our responsibilities. So, it's not so much avoiding pressures, it's not trying to get rid of all the pressures. Are there some pressures we should not be carrying and picking up? No doubt, absolutely. We'll talk about that later on in the series. But for the most part, the pressures that we feel, not necessarily avoid, we shouldn't be avoiding them and we can't really get rid of them. So then the question we've been asking is, well, how do I deal with those pressures? How do I handle those pressures? What am I supposed to do when I'm feeling the pressure, when those pressures are pressing? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, I feel like I'm hard pressed on every single side. So when that's you, when that's me, how do we handle those pressures? and an interesting conversation this last week one of my best friends who lives up in Ohio we went to elementary school together and uh, was best man at my wedding so we've stayed in touch good friend his name's Josh and his job professionally is he is a counselor at a university in Ohio so it's a cool concept the university hires a bunch of counselors to be available for their college students so that's his clientele is just college students that attend this massive university so I was talking with him, how's how's work, how's life, how's the job, everything? And he says, man, we are slammed, it's so busy. I said, interesting, is enrollment going up? Because that would make sense. If enrollment for the university went up, then I would expect more college students would would take on the the opportunity to meet with a counselor. And he says, no, enrollment's pretty steady. He said, we're busier now than we were last semester. He said, and last semester, we were busier than the semester before that. And that semester, we were busier than the semester before that. And so he said, we're seeing this trend of college students specifically that are up and to the right needing and asking for and reaching out for professional services like counseling. So, of course, I'm asking, like, dude, I'm I'm talking on stuff like this. Like, tell me what's going on. And he said, they haven't identified everything, but they're starting to look at, his counseling team is starting to look at two reasons why. Because that's what you want to ask. Why is this happening? First reason, they said, it seems to be more socially acceptable to go to counseling, which is great. That's a good thing, that if you need help, it's no longer this, this, well, I have to go talk to a counselor. No, it's no, I get to talk to a counselor. I need to talk to a counselor. We say this phrase around here a lot. Counseling is not a sign of weakness. Counseling is a sign of strength. So the fact that our society is embracing that and considering that more culturally acceptable is fantastic news, but still, why is that happening? And what Josh had told me, he said, now this is a general statement. Obviously, every every college student is different. But what they're starting to identify at somewhere in the root problem, somewhere, there's something missing. I said, what's missing? He said, something called grit, resilience. The idea of falling down and getting back up. And then falling back down and getting back up again. He said, we're seeing students that can't get back up. I said, well, is that... Like, because there's some major issues that, that people deal with, abuse and, and all these other things, all the way to this is my first time ever getting something below an A. And he says it's on both ends of the extremes. Falling down and can't getting back up is starting to become a common issue, at least in his university, in his college campus with those college students. But as I'm looking at it holistically and in regards to what we're talking about, I see that for me personally. I see that in my kids. And I see that with us where we miss that piece of grit And resilience, don't we? Where you fall down and get back up. Sometimes we just fall down and say, ah, that's it, I can't handle this anymore. What does it look like to have grit in our spiritual lives? Now that's not to say grit for grit's sake and you always have to push through. We talked about that last week where you can only do that for so long. Looked at Elijah's fatal four. One of them he pushed too hard for too long and he collapsed. So I'm not saying you have grit forever all the way through it, but you have to start there. We have to start with that mindset That heart posture of grit, I can do this, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to stand firm, I'm going to stand tall, I'm not going to fall over. It's not because of our strength as we're going to see, it's because of who we follow. It's who we trust, it's who we put our trust in that gives us and develops that grit in us. Angela Duckworth has done a lot of research on grit. Let me kind of take her research and what I read in God's word and put it in a spiritual context for you. Spiritual grit, this is how I would define it. Is God developing our character, what's inside of us? God developing our character to become stronger than our circumstances so we don't buckle under the pressure, we don't buckle every time we're pressed hard against on every side. That spiritual grit to push through, to stand tall, to stand firm, to have your feet firmly placed. It's when we allow God to develop develops a keyword there, develop character in us that is stronger more resilient than our circumstances more than our surroundings more than that pressure let me help you see that in a little bit of a different light this might help dan where are you at dan you're gonna help me out there's dan give dan a big round of applause come on up here dan we're gonna have some more fun dan do you know what this is are you nervous about this dan you should be i should be more nervous than you hold that i am not a triple black belt that's even a thing. No, not, not true at all. So here's what's gonna happen. Remember, the, the goal is to, to not hurt me through this illustration because I am still your pastor. I'm your direct line to Jesus Christ, son of God. <laughs> what you do to me, you do to him. That's actual scripture. The other one, not so much, but so are we on the same page here? Okay, we'll see. So if Dan is the pressure that we feel, pressure, the whole point of pressure is to press against us. But what's interesting is this is, This is actually pretty comfortable, where if I'm standing here and my feet are firmly placed here and I recognize pressure, I see the pressure, I know it's there, but I don't really have to interact with it, this is very doable. And a lot of times we walk through life like this. I'm aware of the pressure, it's kind of constantly in the back of our mind, we know what's going on, we know the things that we're under, but not too bad. But then pressure takes a step forward and gets a little bit closer, and now we kind of feel that, don't we? Oftentimes on the inside, we start to feel stress level goes up and our anxiety goes up and and we're worried a little bit more about pressure because we can't get rid of it. We start to recognize you're not going away at this point. Then pressure takes another step in and now we truly feel it constantly. It's always there all the time and we start to get really nervous. We start to try to figure out, well, how can I minimize this pressure? What do I need to do? The deadline's coming up and things are starting to get a little bit more rattled, but still... My feet are firmly placed. It's not affecting me outwardly. I would say most of us are in this spot right here, most likely, where it's right there on you. It's manageable pressure. But if you know anything about pressure, it just presses more and more, and it gets worse. When pressure takes another step in, oh, now now we start to feel it, don't we? Now it's starting to truly push on us. I, I can't stand as straight as I once did. I can't stand as firm as I once did. And now all of a sudden, watch, watch what happens in this next move. One more time. Pressure leans in a little bit more. Now I can't really stand up at all. And notice what has changed in my mind. I went from thinking about pressure to now I'm just worried about falling over. That's a big shift. Watch it happen again. Back up just a little bit here, Dan. So we go from I'm aware of pressure. How do I deal with pressure? To now I'm just concerned about falling over. I'm not concerned about pressure. Well, I'm just trying to stay straight up. And pressure will continue to lean. Lean a little bit more in here, Dan. Keep going. Not that much, not that much, not that much. (laughs) A little bit more. Give me a little bit more. There you go. So now I'm in this odd and awkward and exhausting position where I'm just trying to stay standing. I'm not worried about standing firm at this point. I'm just trying to not get crushed. This position here is not sustainable. You cannot stay in this position for very long. Eventually you'll give way and you fall apart. Stand up real quick, Dan. If the question is how do we stand firm, something has to change. Pressure's not gonna change. So what do I have to do differently in approaching that kind of constant, relentless, overwhelming pressing from pressure? Let me me show you this. So you could go into the cave mode and I'm just trying to stand. I'm worried about standing at all versus standing firm. But there is a way to stand firm During the pressure. Now, come on, Dan. Come on, give me all you got. Is that all you got? There you go. Now, look, that's actually quite a bit. Okay. (laughs) Keep coming. So now I'm able to still stand firm when he's pressing. When pressure presses, there is a way to stand firm in the midst of pressure. Requires me to press a little bit back, doesn't it? Requires me to lean in. It requires me to push a little bit. Instead of letting all the pressure come this way. I said, no, 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 I am. There's where your grit comes from. And that resilience is I'm going to push back a little. It's not going to go away, but allows me to stand firm instead of just trying to stand up at all. Great job, Dan. Hey, everybody say thanks, Dan. Appreciate you, man. Great job. (laughs) Stronger than he looks. My goodness. So there's your question to ask this morning. First of all, which position are you in? Are you just trying to stand? Are you just trying to hang in there? Is it trying to balance everything so you don't just fall over? Or are your feet firmly placed and you can stand firm? If you feel like you're falling over and you're just worried about standing, then I'm gonna help you stand tall today. We're gonna see through God's word, you're gonna be able to stand firm, at least know how to take some of those next, next steps towards standing firm. If you feel like you're standing firm, good, we're gonna build on that. Most likely we stand the tallest when pressure's at a distance when we have a lot of margin to work with. But that pressure is going to press and press and press. So can we be ready? Can we have that grit developed in us, that spiritual grit developed in us, so that when the pressing starts, we can still stand firm? That's the question. Can we stand firm? How do we stand firm when the pressure is relentlessly pressing up against us? I've been saying that word, or that phrase stand firm a lot. There's actually a chunk of scripture, a section of scripture, that talks all about standing firm firm. If you have your Bibles, head over to Ephesians chapter 6. If you've been in church world for any length of time, you've probably heard this preached on, taught about, especially in kids' ministry. It's a great one for kids' ministry. But it's the armor of God is how we talk about it. And what we're going to see is this armor of God, when applied in our lives, is really how we stand tall, stand firm, feet firmly placed, even in the midst of the difficulties, even in the midst of the pressure. So as we go through this, I need to give you a couple I need to help you do something. I'm gonna teach you how to listen to me today because it's gonna be a little different. First of all, you've got to listen quickly. There's a lot. We have 13 minutes left and we have a lot of armor of God to go through and I'm gonna explain each one for you. So you're gonna have to listen quickly. The other thing is if you try to look at this content of, wow, that's a whole lot, you're gonna miss something that you really need. So could you have the heart posture where between you and the Holy Spirit, you say, okay, Holy Spirit, which parts of the armor of God do I need to lean into? That's what I want you to hear. I'm not trying to get you to memorize everything that is said this morning. I want you to hone in on those one or two things that instead of pushing you over, it can start to get you to push back up, the pushing back against. So you've gotta have some different ears with me this morning because we are gonna go through it kinda quick. So listen quickly, but listen for those few things that really are for you. Not all of this might be for you, but you're gonna have a couple things that I think are gonna hit you right between the eyes. Does that make sense? All right, do you know how to listen quickly? Have you been trained in that before? Get ready. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul is finishing up his letter to the early church of Ephesus. I know that because he says the word finally. (laughs) Here's the last thing I want you to know. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, that's what we want to do, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Real quick, two things you need to pay attention to there. The first one, he says it twice in the first sentence. The word in, I in, he says it twice. In the Lord, in his mighty power. This is not by the power of me and you. Don't miss that or this isn't gonna work for you. It's in him. We just sang that song, beautiful song. That Jesus, Jesus, that darkness trembles at his name. Let that sink in. At the very name of Jesus, darkness trembles. That's the mighty power of our God. That at his name, the darkness shudders. So it's in him. It's not me, it's not in you. It's not in everything that we do right. We start with him. We're gonna talk more about that in a moment. So it's in his power. It's in him as Lord. The other thing, it says, put on the full armor of God. This is not multiple choice. This is not a, well, it's Tuesday, so this one works for me and this one doesn't. This isn't picking out your outfit each morning of what you wanna put on. No, this is the full armor of God every day, every moment. Are we gonna do that perfectly? Of course not, but that has to be our intent and our posture to say, I need all of this Put this in the, in the context of battle, which is what he's kind of alluding to at the illustration. He says, you're not going to go into battle with half your body armor. No, you're going into battle fully prepared with the full armor of God on you constantly at all times. So you can't just look at this as a pick and choose. Now, I would tell you, again, listen to what the Holy Spirit's leaning in you on. There's probably a few of these that are missing or lacking. So yeah, lean in there. But this is not a few. This is put on the full I would even say it's all or none. Put on the full armor of God. Now, here's the armor of God. Let's read through it and then we'll talk about them. Verse 13, therefore, in other words, therefore, because of the difficulties and because of the pressures and because of all of the evil that pushes against us and because the struggle is real, therefore, put on the, again, full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, and I want you to say these three words with me, you may be able to stand your ground. Maybe you just need to declare that today. Regardless of everything that's present against you, no, I'm gonna stand my ground. How are we gonna do that? Stand your ground. And after everything you've done to stand, stand firm then, here we go, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Lastly, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And <clears throat> With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Did you see all the alls and everywheres and all the times in there? We'll get to that. There's the armor of God. That's, that's what Paul is encouraging us. If you wanna stand your ground, if you wanna stand firm, regardless of how much and what pressure you're dealing with, here's where you begin. You start with Jesus. Remember the ends? In him, in his power, in him as your Lord. You start there. But now we have to armor up. We have to be prepared. We have to get ready. This is the pushing back part of that. So let's go through each one of these, and I'm gonna read them, but then I'll give you a little, kind of a different way to think about them, ways that's gonna probably help you uh, apply it to your life. So belt of truth. Here's another way to think about the belt of truth. The belt of truth is this. The truth that God is sovereign... He's over all things, complete controls under him. The truth that God is sovereign, knows everything about me, loves me unconditionally, and is always with me. Imagine how different your day would go if you declared that first thing in the morning, that God, you are sovereign. There's nothing that's gonna surprise you or shock you today. I mean, think of how many things surprise you during the day, through your week, through the seasons that you go through. We get caught off guard. We, we don't know. We, we didn't see that coming. And here, our God is saying, not shocked and not surprised. I've, I've actually been preparing you for that. I've been walking with you, so when that happens, you would turn to me. He is sovereign. He's not shocked or surprised, even when we are, and that he's over all things. And then when we declare that you're with me no matter what, you're, you're always walking alongside me. That's the truth, as then Paul ex- describes as the belt of truth. It keeps everything together. The belt is not a fashion accessory. The belt is very practical. It keeps everything up and in order and working. Without truth, things start to fall down. Thanks. Some of you didn't get that joke. That was a belt joke. <laughs> You're welcome. Some of you will get that and laugh later. Some of you just shake your head. <laughs> keeps things up, right? It keeps things where they're supposed to be. So as the truth, it has to be there First. You start there, declare the truth. What is the truth? So glad you asked. Jesus said it very simply. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said it, and if you keep reading through scripture, you're gonna find a lot of truths that he said, but if you wanna sum it up, there it is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You start with him. You start declaring that truth. There's the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Here's a way to think through the breastplate of righteousness. I guard my heart by acting on what is right. Jesus is my Lord. Even when I don't feel like it, I will follow Jesus and his ways. What does the breastplate cover? Not rhetorical. What's it cover? Major vital organ? Heart. Yes, it's your heart. And out of our heart, you know, metaphorically speaking, our heart is our attitudes and, and actions come out of that. The way we feel matters because then we start acting on those things. So we have to guard our heart and choose, and he says the word here, righteousness, choosing what is right. That's what righteousness basically is. It's right or wrong. He says, guard your heart, protect your heart, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and choose what's right. If you wanna truly guard your heart, then you have to choose to do what's right. We're not gonna always do what's right. And I know it sometimes feel like there's a lot of gray areas. Well, right and wrong, and man, a lot of place in between. You're gonna to have to draw a line somewhere. This is right and this is wrong. Now, here's the tricky part. Here's the part you're not gonna like as much. If Jesus is your Lord, he determines right and wrong. If Jesus is your king, your king determines right and wrong. See, we love that Jesus is my savior. Save me from my sins. Thank you so much. I'll be in heaven forever. But he's not just savior. He's also Lord. Lord meaning authority over me, authority over you. He is savior and Lord. He is giver of grace and love unconditionally. He's also king. So think of your relationship in terms of kingship just for a moment. When your king says, go to the left, yes, my king. King says, go to the right, yes, my king. My king says, sit down, yes, my king. Stand up tall, yes, my king. Brian, I want you to move this, for, this way. You know, my king, that doesn't really feel like something I want to do right now. <laughs> um, why? Do you have another option, maybe? Tomorrow? Tomorrow's better for my schedule, king. no. We would never have that kind of a dialogue with our king, right? So Jesus is both of those. I'm not saying you ignore one to, to build the other, but he is your king. You are not. If he is your king, then you follow your king's direction. You're allowed to disagree with him. You don't have to always understand it. But at some point, he's your king or he's not. Breastplate of righteousness says he's my lord, he's my king. Yes, he's also my savior. But I choose what's right, I follow him. Proverbs 4 says this, above all else, that's a bold statement, above all else, guard your heart. Look at this, for everything you do flows from it. Everything I think, everything I do, everything I say flows from my heart. So if I want to guard my heart, I have to choose to do what's right. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Shoes of the gospel of peace. I get asked this more than any if you're studying through. Um, the armor of God, says with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel peace." Sounds super heady, super confusing, like what exactly am I supposed to put on shoes of what again? Let me help you think through it a little bit differently. Here's how I would help you understand it. I am ready and willing. I have peace as I follow Jesus with my every step. Here's another way to think through it. So we just talked about following Jesus. If he says turn left, we go left. He says turn right, turn right. Now if you're on the path trail, let's say you're going hiking, and you know you're on the right trail, you're on the right path, but you chose to walk that path barefoot, is it gonna be a difficult hike? Yes, is it gonna be a painful hike? Yes, more so than if you had shoes on, right? So oftentimes when we walk the path that Jesus has laid out for us, we're expecting things to be super easy and super painless. That's not the case. (laughs) It's a very difficult path to walk sometimes, but here we're saying, but if you have shoes on, if you have the shoes of peace, that path becomes more manageable and doable, and you don't get as discouraged as easily. And this is not a peace that comes from a lack of conflict. This is peace that is given to us by God. It's a peace that says, no, I'm in control. I've got you. You don't have anything to worry about. I've got you. In fact, Jesus said it was a gift. He said it this way in John 14. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. If you're in that position of just trying to stand, (laughs) being afraid of standing up at all, that peace of mind and peace of heart is gonna help you stand a little bit taller. It says, a gift I'm giving you, peace of mind, peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Look at this last part. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. So every step you take following Jesus, make sure you have shoes that are wrapped in peace. Peace from him. Doesn't mean it's an easy walk in the park. But it means every stick you step on, every rock you step over, every obstacle you trip over, doesn't hurt and doesn't knock you out as quickly. So what if you were walking around barefoot trying to do it on your own? So that's the gist of having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. No matter where you lead me, Jesus, you're my king, I'm gonna have your peace along with me. Shield of faith, probably the most Uh, recognizable ones as in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here's the way to think through it. My faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. With Jesus, I can endure, keyword endure, I can endure all things. Doesn't mean everything's gonna work out the way I want, hope, pray, or wish, but I can endure all things because my faith, my trust is in Jesus. Now, Paul compares this faith to a shield, not some dinky little shield that you hold up. This is like a Roman shield in context, and it's from like head to toe. And these soldiers would hide behind this shield, and it would completely cover their entire body. Now, think about this. How do you know a shield is working if it's never tested? Ooh, that was good, wasn't it? (laughs) I got some ooze out of that one. How do you know your shield is working if it's never tested? See, oftentimes we go through life thinking, I have great faith. I never want anything bad to happen to me. I have great faith, and I've never been tested. No, you know your faith is strong. In fact, your faith has developed and grown, that spiritual grid, when there are tests, when there are difficulties, when there are pressures, and as Paul writes it, as you've got flaming arrows flying at you. Because then you get behind that shield, and you're like, I hope this works. It worked. <laughs> Woo! I can handle another one. Give me what else you got. Your confidence begins to grow. So I would tell you, for those of you dealing with massive tests in your life and trials in your life that James 1 talks about, if you're doubting, doubt and difficulties are not the opposite of faith. Doubt and difficulties are not the opposite of faith. They grow your faith. They help you develop your faith. They prove your faith time and time again. Allow your faith to be tested. Watch that shield work. We're told this, we are called children of God, and in the context of our faith, we are told for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Our faith in what? That we know how this battle ends. I don't know how this battle is gonna go right here in this moment, in this situation, but I know know what Jesus has done. I'm not worried, I'm not afraid, I have faith in him. There's where your faith begins. Right there, trusting in him. So there's the shield of faith. Then we're told to take the helmet of salvation. Here's how to think through the helmet of salvation. I will remain confident in my salvation. I will keep my mind on the things of God. We talked a ton about thoughts when we looked at Paul's um, kind of list, his filters out of Philippians last week. Go back and read, look look at those again. Think about these things, and he lists a ton of them. So we are to guard, or what, what a helmet guard. Not a trick question yes our brain i tell my kids this all the time when i see them like doing backflips off of the the playground protect your brain because there's important things up here how we think so here he's saying protect that protect your thoughts and above all if you were to dwell on one thing your salvation be assured be confident in your salvation again when those doubts start to come in no i'm assured of my salvation doesn't matter how far away you stray i'm still assured of my salvation How can you be assured? How can you be confident in that? We're told, Romans chapter 10, verse nine, two parts of this, right? It's saying, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Lord and King, we talked about that, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say the last part with me, you will be saved. There you go. So if you've got to that part, be confident, be assured. Nothing should rattle you. At the end of the day, I've got that, let that be what your mind dwells on constantly. If you don't have that assurance, this is a good time to start. I got the baptistry ready, warmed up and filled. Maybe that's the time to say, man, I'm gonna make this public. He is my king. He is my Lord. He's also my savior. I'm saying it out loud and I believe it in my heart. Start there, the helmet of salvation. Now, the last one, usually we think of it as the last one. I'm going to show you. I don't think it is. But the sword of the Spirit. says, "In the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, when I tell you what to do, let me read 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy first. Put this in context for you. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is, big word here, say it with me, and is? Okay, that sounded really bad, y'all. I mean, I'm, that, that, this is like the main point right here. So, Scripture is God-breathed and is much better. Somebody in the third row over here. <laughs> is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God, that's me and you, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Keyword, useful. So here's what I would tell you in regarding this part of the armor. Use it. I will use God's word. Doesn't do you much good. Wow, that is just a wonderful, like God's word right there. That is such a shiny sword of the spirit. That is, I know where to get that if I ever need it. I get to look at it every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock for a little bit. No, if you're going to armor up, and you've got to have it and own it and use it constantly. Make sure that it is part of your life, ingrained in every part, not just, well, I know where to go if I need it. It's useful for you. Make sure you're actually using it. The reason I say that's not the end of the armor of God is because there's this word, and, in verse 18. goes through the armor of God, verse 18, and pray in other words paul saying i'm not done yet (laughs) and pray in the spirit on all occasions all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people when you're in this position here and you're worried about being able to stand much longer prayer should be your first go-to go to prayer first begin to pray so i want to help you with that You're not gonna have time to write all these down, so get your phones out and take a picture. I'm gonna give you something to pray through every single day, Sunday through Saturday, to help the armor of God become more ingrained in your daily walk with Jesus. Does this mean on Sunday I only have to put on truth? No, but it means this is the time I'm really gonna think and focus on truth. So Sunday all the way through Saturday, all parts of the armor of God, so you to begin to pray, make sure that you're putting these on. Remember, it's the full armor of God. It is not just picking and choosing which parts I want. So those are ways you can start to implement them into each and every day of your life. And I would say first thing in the morning, this doesn't help you at the end of the day. Oh man, that would have been really good to have earlier on today. (laughs) No, you start with it. You armor up. Armor up each and every time. To sum it all up, I would say there's three parts. Three parts to this of what we looked at. I told you, we were gonna blow through them. The first thing is you need Jesus. Remember the two ends Again in the Lord, in his mighty power, in him. Second part is armor up. Be prepared. You know the pressure's coming. Whether it's at a distance or it's right on you, you know it's coming. So put on the full armor of God. That's how we stand firm under pressure, is putting on the full armor of God. The last thing I would tell you you is you need other people. You need Jesus in him and in his mighty power. You need the armor of God. And You also need people to support you and surround you, your circle to pray for you. Paul spent the last part saying, pray for one another. So now let's talk about your neon card. You got it? There's a name on that card. You may or may not know them. You may or may not know them well. I would venture to say you probably don't know everything going on in their life. You don't necessarily know the difficulties or the pressures or the, the trials that they're facing. Doesn't mean you can't pray for them. So what I'm asking is if you would, every single day, at least once a day, pray for the name, the person on this card. So I've got Debbie. Is there a Debbie down here? No Debbies. Debbie. Oh, there you are. Didn't see you back there. Deb. I call you Deb. So I got you this week. Pray for him this week. Every single day, at least once a day. And just know that you are guaranteed to be prayed for this whole week. Maybe for things that you don't know are going to happen, but come Thursday, thank God someone was praying for me. Maybe something you're currently dealing with that you are so thankful that someone can actually be praying for you. Can you do that with me? Will you you commit to doing that for whoever's on this card? You don't have to know their whole life story to be able to pray for them. And allow God to get you to stand taller this week. My family and I, uh, we have a tradition in our house. Every night, the kids get to pick a book to read, and we all read before bedtime, before doing prayers and Bible stories and stuff. And nine times out of 10, this one gets picked. We're going on a bear hunt. We're gonna catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh, a forest, a big, dark forest. Say it with me if you know it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no, no. We've got to go through it. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh, a snowstorm, a swirling, whirling snowstorm. Say it again. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. You will have to go through things. You cannot go over it. You cannot go under it. You cannot go around it. You will have to go through it. Is your trust in Jesus and his power and his power alone? Are you suiting up and putting on the full armor of God? you have people around you that do nothing but pray for you? That will help you to stand firm regardless of the pressure. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your promises to us. It's not a promise of an easy life. In fact, you tell us the exact opposite. Your words are, in this world, you will have trouble. We will have pressures, we will have difficulties, we will have trials, but we can also have that grit, that spiritual grit, because you, Jesus, have overcome the world. And our trust and our hope is in that, not of our abilities, but in you. So Jesus, would you grow our character and develop our character to be stronger than the pressures, to be stronger than our circumstances? so that we can stand firm, stand tall, our feet firmly placed, no matter what comes our way. May our hope be in you. May we work diligently to putting on the full armor of God. And may we allow people in our life to do nothing but pray. You are great. You are good. We declare that truth today in Jesus' name.